Hey there, dog people of the internet. I'm Sarah Stremming, and this is Cog Dog Radio. Join me as I share my thoughts, experiences, and cases, as I interview experts and answer your questions when it comes to the behavior of the dogs we live and play with. It's a new year, and I have a news flash. Black lives still matter. I'm looking forward in 2021 to not only continuing to donate to causes that I believe in, but also to providing more of a platform for BIPOC voices in the dog world here on Cog Dog Radio. So stay tuned. All right, everybody. I have a special guest today to talk about a special, exciting topic. My friend, Megan Foster. Megan, will you please... Uh, say hello and tell us your pronouns. Hi, everyone. I'm Megan and I go by she, her. So Megan and I are talking today. This was a special special request from Patreon um, to talk about something that I think comes up in basically every topic <laughs> pertaining to sport dog training that we have. But I thought a deep dive might be in order on reward strategies and specifically how do we choose as trainers which reward strategy to use? What is the what and what is the when and why? Because I think we talk a lot about the what and how, but the when and why is what we are tackling today. So Let's just, we need to start where we start, which is definitions. Megan, when, when a person says reward strategy, or when you say that, what do you mean by that? Reward strategy means reward placement. So where is it going to appear in relation to me and the dog and the obstacle that I'm training? what they're going to be receiving in terms of payment for said behavior. And I'm also looking at how they're Mm. getting from the end of the behavior to said payment plan. Yeah. There are so many different ways that we can pay the dog for the thing they did. And we are smartest when we really strategize that when we say, and specifically, I'm going to deliver this reinforcer this specific way in this specific location, right? Right. And we can get really geeky on this, but the fact of the matter is for a very long time, all really smart dog training has involved this way before we started talking about it. That's right. And the reason it's always been there is because there are certain things that always exist when you're training a dog or any animal um, with positive reinforcement, and you're smart to pay attention to those things that exist. And that brings us to the next definition. We are going to be talking about loops of behavior. What the hell is a loop (laughs) of behavior? (laughs) It is naturally occurring in your training let's just start there let's start there it's It's always happening it's always there whether you're paying attention to it or not it is the 
sequence of behaviors that happens within your training. You set the dog up to, to start something, you give them a cue to start something, they do the something, you mark the correct something, you deliver a reinforcer, you get them back to the starting point, and it repeats itself over and over and over again. And all of those pieces are behaviors that we can observe. Yeah. They are all pay attention to. Mm-hmm. They're all involved in this loop of behavior. And I want to just clarify, because I think this confuses people a lot, especially our agility people who are probably the primary audience right now. We are not talking about running a course or a sequence right now. We could talk about that. Yeah, we could be. That but also exists. Right <laughs> there are also behavior loops within that for sure. Certainly when I start running a course and I do a 20 obstacle course and then I finish and give the dog, get the dog to reinforcement, we're talking about one super long loop that involves, it's kind of like many little micro loops because each time mm-hmm. the dog, um, each time the dog does one thing like they do a set of weave poles and then I cue the next thing which is a jump I've kind of completed that loop with my next cue for the jump and then I start a new loop into the next little so it's right so paper chains that we're making (laughs) exactly so when we're running a sequence or a course there are uh, micro loops within that course and I think that that is kind of a topic for another day okay as far as what that is as far as like (laughs) how complicated that is. Um, I mean, I'm sure it'll come back in, but when we are going to be talking today, I think, I think I'm just trying to avoid the confusion of, but then what do I do in a trial? Right. I think that's why I'm bringing this up. I'm trying to avoid the confusion of, but then what do I do in a trial? But are, but if we're, not reinforcing anything directly in trials anyways, whether it's one obstacle or a sequence of obstacles. Is that what we're even talking about today? Exactly. We're not. Okay. We're not talking about that today. That's that's the only time it's going to come up at a trial is, and I'm only bringing it up now is because we're going to talk about it is the history of your reward strategies. Yeah. So what's happening in a trial is the test. A trial is a test. It is, did you train what you think you trained? Did you pay what you thought you paid? Did you pay what you thought you paid? And some of the problems that we're going to kind of talk through today are going to sometimes only show their heads in the trial. You may not even know that you've created these problems until you put the dog in a trial. So, Or just in a sequence. Or a sequence in general. So while sequencing and running full courses matters like this matters a lot to that right your problems are not going to be solved within that context your problems are going to correct. be correct within the shorter loops yeah correct okay, okay. yes all now right now we're on the same so, page we're on the same page we <laughs> so, can still talk about handling even if it's not a sequence handling <laughs> just like reward strategy always there always there okay never not there yeah i want to know my parameters it's never not there right so and i think it's you're always there unless you're because you're training right unless you're inside literally on the other side of a wall 
Right. Putting them in a laboratory box maze thing. I don't know. We don't do that. This is real life. Agility stress dreams. You're just planting seeds for these agility stress dreams. I know. I'm so good at that now. It's it's my superpower. (laughs) Um, So, all right. We're always we're always working within a loop and the reward strategy occurs within that loop. I think the point of knowing what both of these things are is that training doesn't go like this. Cue behavior, give a uh, reward, blank slate. Cue behavior, right. reward. It goes yes, cue, exactly. behavior, reward, l- other behaviors that occur mm-hmm. within the mm-hmm. reward. Yeah. Start over at cue. Right. There's no hard line between your reps. They all bleed together into a loop. So where where that matters is that your reward strategy is a collection of behaviors, right? So just to help everybody, I think let's have an example. So your reward strategy could be there's a piece running to yeah, you're running to there's a piece of food in a bowl. You're right. moving towards it together and you send the dog to eat the food out of the bowl or a manners minder, food robot, something like that. Yeah. Um, as soon as you cue the dog to go to the food in the bowl or the manners minder, the reward sequence is kind of engaged. And everything right. that happens in between you saying, okay, now like you beep the manners minder, dog starts to head for the robot. Everything that happens from the beginning, from your cue to do the thing, maybe it's a set of weave poles to the beep and onward matters. Yeah. So if the dog runs straight at the robot, that's a behavior that's in your loop. If the dog circles the robot, that's a behavior that's in your loop. Goes if the dog to the slows, other side. If the dog slows down mm-hmm. and walks to the robot, that's in your loop. Right. And then after the dog lifts his head from the robot, everything that happens until you get the dog back to that point A, also in your loop. So where the, the when to use what kind of question comes up is that people, I think sometimes people just have a default. Mm Mm-hmm. And especially always, in agility, especially in agility. And they just go for that. They just right. use that default re- reward, but we should be thinking about a few different things instead when we're deciding what to use. That's right. We want to look at not the behavior we're training, mm-hmm. but the behavior we're attaching to what we're training. Okay. Say that again. Mic drop. <laughs> it is not the behavior we're training. Right. We don't need to focus on that. We, we all know how to train the behaviors that we want, but when they're maybe not going the way we want them, or we want to spice them up a bit, we don't need to focus on how to change the thing we're training. We need to focus on the behavior that's following the thing we're training, how they're getting to reinforcement. Yeah. That behavior piece that's getting baked in Mm. via loopy training, a naturally recurring thing. 
happening, whether you want to do or not. Happening whether you think you're turning in loops or not. Right. We have to pay attention to that behavior. That behavior matters m- more, dare I say? Anymore. Because I mean, here's why it matters it's, more. What's keeping the behavior alive? Yes. And if your reward strategy is correct, you don't need to worry about whether you're getting the right, right behavior because you right. will, you will, you be, will getting be it. You will be yes. getting it. As well as if your setup is correct. Obviously, there are other things going on. Like totally. The way that I like to talk about it is um, if you've got A, B, and C, and A is kind of your starting point, your setup, and C is your reward strategy, and B is that thing that's happening in the middle, the thing you're trying to train. The things you actually have control over are the A and the C. That's right. We don't have control over the B. We like to believe we have control over the B. We like, I mean, trust right. me as a control enthusiast myself. I like That's to That's such think, a nice way to say it. <laughs> That's, I, I like claimed, that a lot. I claimed that label. Um, yeah, I'm good yeah, with that. I mean, so as most dog trainers are, we fall in that I mean, if control not, enthusiast we sure column. It's yeah. our sickness. Um so I like to think I can control the B, but I can't. I can control the no. A and the C. Yes. And what we're talking about The B about is today, none of your business. The B isn't any of my business. So if I control the A and the C appropriately, the B will be what I want it to be. Correct. Yeah. So what we're talking about today is the C, the reward strategy. How do we pick a reward strategy that makes the B, the behavior that in question, look the way we want it to look? We've got a telescope out and think how do I what do I want this behavior to look like when it's done mm-hmm. I really do have to know what the end behavior looks like and what I want it to look like before I start training it it's like if you've ever asked a student or maybe a, an instructor has asked you like what do you want your dog walk to look like Mm-hmm. If you've ever had a student say, well, I want him to touch the yellow, <laughs> right? that's too vague. We need to, yeah. you really, really narrow in finest detail, exactly what you'd like it to look like. If you know that you can work backwards from there. Correct. Which is how you like to work. I do like to work backwards. And it's very successful for you. So it, it, it's very good. <laughs> I have um, zero reasons to change it right now. <laughs> There's, Ask you, me in five years how I feel. You have no evidence right now that suggests you should change it. Um, That's right. So the next question that I'm going to ask is basically, maybe here's the strategy that I'm leaning towards. And then I need to ask, is this going to hurt or help? Like, is are the behaviors that are attached to the strategy conducive to that final picture or not? Right. And you can just do a little visualization, right? Mm-hmm. So if you know that when you put a food bowl out on the line, your dog blasts forward towards it, you know, blinders on, can only see the, the bowl on the line and can see nothing else going on. Now, visualize in your head your the dream behavior you're training plus that. Mm-hmm. Do I like it? Yeah. And maybe you Versus, do. Versus maybe, maybe you, you do. Or maybe your dog crawls to the food dish. Yeah. And we'll talk about those other things in a second. (laughs) Attach that behavior to the end of your dream behavior. Yeah. 
Do you like it? Do you like it? And then the next question is, after the dog acquires the reinforcer, what happens between that and your next setup? So what happens between that and the next A, starting position? And do you like that? Because that's getting baked into this as well. Right. And it's getting dangerously close to that other conversation about messing with the A. Yeah. Because but it's a loop. So how do we talk about one piece? There's no, there's no start and end point, right? I should be able to watch the training session and log in. If you were live streaming all of your training sessions, I would be able to log in at any point and pick up with your loop at any point and know what was going on. That's ideal. There is no very clear start and end point. It should be continuous. Yeah. And then it's information. So, yes. So what that means then is, so I've had um, student dogs whose dogs would resource guard the food robot. Oh yeah. Now that of course I would get that client. So now they've got to have this conversation of getting the dog away from the food robot to start again. Yeah. Not good. Okay, we can't have no. That's a those are some big emotions. Um, toys. Your dog is running to a tug toy that's on the line, and that's producing this beautiful, fast, awesome forward motion behavior, and then. You can't get the thing back. I go, bye. <laughs> yeah, the dog grabs yeah. it and does a victory lap or the dog brings it back to you, but you have to fight to get it out of their mouth or yeah. you know whatever else. All of that is in your loop now. Right. All of it. So we always start with what does my dog look like on their way to reinforcement, collecting reinforcement and returning post- yeah, exiting reinforcement. Reinforcement. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And here's just a little like hint. This is why it's so important to train these strategies. So important. Because if you don't actively train the strategies, you have a lot less flexibility in what. Yeah. You don't know what's normal. You don't know what's a problem. You don't. If the dog doesn't Um, know how to eat one cookie out of the grass and then stop sniffing for cookies, you don't know if extra sniffing is a problem. Right. You don't know that the dog, right. You want to be aware. Or you go the other way and you're like, my dog's never allowed to sniff ever. And you never use a cookie tossed in the dirt or grass or whatever and then you're limiting how you can pay these behaviors and you might be missing out on the way you need to be paying something to make it happen for you something I run into that avoidance of reinforcers (laughs) yeah I, I run into a lot of um particularly that example yeah same they don't want the dog to sniff and so they won't throw food on the ground right I have or I just have information for everybody. <laughs> the dog eating food off the ground and, and bringing their head back up immediately for the next rep is a trained response. Trained behavior. It's a trained behavior. Yes. It is a trained reinforcement strategy. So I'm the person that I want as many strategies in my tool belt as possible because when Same. I do, 
if I have all of those strategies, then whatever the problem is, there's a strategy for it. Yes. And I can test if I can't visualize what it looks like, I can just set it up yes. as a test. I can ask it up. Like, what does this look like when you do this? Because right. you know this strategy. So let me ask. I you. can send them through a tunnel and then to a dropped piece of food. Well, do I like it or do I not like it? I can then send them to a tunnel and to a pre-placed pl- mm-hmm. bowl of food. Like it? Yes, no. You know, I can go through all of the ways that I have in my arsenal, but if I'm like immediately going, well, I can't drop food on the ground or I can't give them a toy. Like if I can't because I just didn't train it. Yeah. I'm going to potentially have more problems. I'm going to be limited in in what I can do. I'm going to be limited in the limited in how you can problem solve. Yeah. Period. I would say that because not we also live in a little bit of an agility culture where everything has to be in rein- reinforced in a very specific way. And it's like, that's the rule for all dogs. And I'm here to say that that doesn't, <laughs> that rule doesn't exist. Yeah. That some dogs, I would feel pretty strongly about never using X reward strategy for this behavior. Mm-hmm. And for the next dog in front of me, I'm like, that is the way we need to reinforce it because of the behaviors. Let's just talk about my two dogs that I'm training right now. Yeah, let's. Felix <laughs> and Rhea. Yeah. Talk about night and day. Yeah. We do stuff with Rhea that if we did with Felix, our, the last two years of work would implode. Yeah, it would be completely undone. And I when I watch like our training videos with Felix, mm-hmm. my go-to in agility handling is dropping rewards on the line. And I do very little rewarding out of my hand. And with Felix, we primarily reward from your hand. Primarily. And yet his obstacle focus is growing, not shrinking. Somehow his obstacle focus is better and that's not what the rules of agility that's would totally tell true. us. And, and I speak these rules. I am the Thank first you. one to tell you when you want to build obstacle focus, you're going to reward on the line or use pre-placed rewards. And yet, and yet that's not right. what we're experiencing with Felix. Which is why having an arsenal of strategies and being able to test them Mm-hmm. is your best bet there isn't you know what everybody would like for this podcast to be is like <laughs> or a list of like if this yes. is what you want do this right but the, i can give you is, good starting points we can absolutely kind of get you going yeah. when it comes to especially if you're in the initial acquisition phase like if you're actually training the behavior mm-hmm. we're probably going to be able to give you right a blanket, a really solid start, probably going to work. <laughs> Whereas if you come with a problem, we want the arsenal. So like you and I are working on a certain problem that Felix has, and I'm going to put this video in Patreon for everybody where we are using a pre-placed reward to work him through this problem. Yeah. And I think I even said to you mid session, like, 
this is going so slick because he has so many skills. <laughs> like, right. Has, and the whole he has all of these picture. reinforcement skills. And he so can go can... back and forth in between the the two or three mm-hmm. or however many we ended up using in that in that one session. And it went so seamlessly. Mm-hmm. And then when we flip that onto Rhea, since we didn't really talk about her, we're primarily using pre-placed rewards. Mm-hmm. Like but I also am not feeding. She's still learning those. She's learning them, right? So it isn't as slick because she's still acquiring the skills, right? And because she's young and doesn't have as many skills or as many well-trained skills, like I, she's got kind of like elementary school level skills, all of them. Yeah. She knows that she knows that they work, but she also doesn't have that history of, I really, really love this thing. Right. We're currently building. Building that history. That love Mm -hmm. for said thing. So what we're talking about here is when you're looking at your strategy, um, you want to think about behaviors, but you really also want to think about two other questions and let's, we'll do them one at a time. So the first one I think we should talk about is generically, I will say feelings, <laughs> like because we're kind of talking about that right now. So we'll segue into it. Right. We want to ask, does the dog have the right attitude, the right kind of emotional response to, and of course, exactly. Those are behaviors, but we look at them and we kind of know like, yeah, if the dog runs straight at that thing, grabs it and runs straight back, that's the right feelings. Like that's, that's what I exactly, we don't have to actually know how they feel because we're still just observing behavior. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) We don't know how they feel. Right. That same thing I said, when you're thinking of you know, what is this, you know, what do my weave bowls look like when they're finished? What does my grab the toy and return to me look like when it's finished? Mm -hmm. When I feel like the dog enjoys this, likes this, is willing to work for this. What does that look like? Right. Because it's not a dog in my head. It's not a dog that kind of trots out to it, picks it up, is looking around on its way back to me. No, that looks like a job he doesn't like. That looks like he's doing taxes. Um, we can, I all, when I get to talking, we all figure out what Megan likes and doesn't like. Uh, nobody likes taxes. Right. So, right. Nobody likes taxes. Accountants, maybe. I, like I guess there are people that do that. For there are people that are motivated by taxes. Like it, there are no fast and steady rules here, Sarah. Again. You just said this. You did. You did. There are no cookie cutter rules that apply to everyone. So yeah, I would expect the dogs that I have to run out, grab it, return super fast, you know, not looking around, not sniffing around anything like that. But maybe that is what I would expect if I had a different dog. Sure. And so I think when we're, how do we know if they're having the right feelings does all just come back to, do the behaviors look the way you want them to look? Right. Right. But the more interesting segue, I think from the feelings is 
is there a history here that I need to consider? Mm-hmm. So that's the big instance, one. Yeah, that is, this I is think a, a lot of times, right. We, we said deal. how we're functioning in a loop. And so it's not a clean slate. It's also not a clean slate when we actually do in that loop, that training session, that series of loop after loop, after loop, after loop, after loop, after loop gets filed away. Yeah. And every time we return to that, that same training location, the dog pulls up all the files that they have under that location. And then they realize, okay, we're training weave pulls and then they filter out, but they also take other weave pull files from other locations inside out. And then where they have all the little colored balls and like (laughs) they, they pull, like they've got like this huge file. If you haven't seen inside out, number one, what are you doing with your life? It is glorious. pause this right now and go, please. Um, it is one of the best. It's Disney Pixar. It's just please watch inside out, but they have this concept in inside out. They call it core memories. So like they have these extra shiny memory balls <laughs> that are the core <laughs> memories. And I just feel like we do this to them in dog agility. Mm-hmm. When we accidentally make core memories that we don't want to make. That's right. And we do all the time, always about reinforcers. And it's so they pull out, stuff. you can right? like it totally. Right. But you, right. So they, they, they pull out the file of the location. Then they pull out the file of the thing that you're setting up next to. Mm-hmm. Then they pull out the file with whatever reinforcer you pull out of your bag, whether it's kibble or yeah. chicken or the ball on the rope yeah. <laughs> or uh, yeah. Talk about a core you memory. Have a little visceral core memory. Yes. Uh, right. It doesn't matter. They're pulling off all of those files and that's how they're making their choices yeah. for like, we're never working with a blank slate because they're always pulling up these files. Right. And so sometimes our problem is not something we can see in that current training session. It's somewhere in those files that we've forgotten about literally the story of my life training Felix, because first <laughs> of all, remembered. he has, he's got a long list of files. Bet, he has a lot of disc space in his brain. He's got so much. Disc he space. never runs out. He doesn't forget <laughs> anything. And he can pull up he a file very quickly. Pull a file instantly. Okay. And he also we have no idea where it comes from. <laughs> he also chains things really like he also yeah. attaches things like really good example is that he has attached the sound of me unlocking one of my kid one of my kitchen cabinets and they all have locks because Iggy is a terrible scavenger. <laughs> I know one of my cabinets when I unlock that cabinet. He goes apeshit barking just one. And the reason is he has attached it to a delivery person being on the front porch. And if I were not me, I would not know that this was the chain. Right. Right. And a normal person would be like, what is wrong with him with this cabinet? Yes. It's he's, the cabinet. He's got, he's got a great um, tagging system oh my God. for his files. If right. You, if his like brain he's was so organized. Oh my God. I would love his brain. As a, I would like his brain to be my computer because it would be really organized. Right. I could find anything that I needed to find. Right. Like, what did I name that? I what think did I it call was that? called. Oh my gosh. Mm, right. Such a problem. He knows. I he tags things like a boss. Yeah. yeah. He does. I don't know what so that means are. that sometimes something will show up. This has happened to us when we've been training him. Something so will show up and we'll both be like, what? Why is what? 
and we and then know later, him well enough to know I'll that this is real. And I'll text not making later this up. and I'll be like, yes. I know why. Yes. And they I aren't making this stuff it's, up. It never on the makes fly. Oh, that's the other thing. They're about pulling it. it. Yeah. Very honest. They are pulling it from their <laughs> files. This has we have allowed this to be put on their hard drive. Yeah. And so when you teach and it's usually happening when we're strategy, not paying attention to our reinforcers or our loops. Always. That's always when it happens. Because they are when, always ding, 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 typing when, little files and putting their tags on it. So when you're making your core memories, when you're teaching your reinforcement strategies, you first of all need to teach the strategy separate from your other stuff. So teach your strategy itself separate from trying to teach other things. I would say that's a big change for me in the last like 10 years as a trainer. Mm -hmm. I've been training dogs in some capacity for uh, 20 years, a little bit longer than that, but I'm not going to (laughs) count when I was like a preteen. So, I mean, I was training dogs. I'm still counting. I know what I was doing. I'm counting all of those. I mean, you should, you were doing probably bigger things. I was like five. Um, I was five. So I've been training dogs in some capacity for 20 plus years. And I would say a really huge change for me in the last 10 ish, maybe 12 ish has been teaching the reinforcement strategy before trying to teach the behavior. Whereas before I would teach the reinforcement strategy as I was teaching the behavior because I didn't know that I was teaching a strategy. Right. Right? We were just paying the behaviors right we just weren't taught it right as I taught the behavior because I taught it just by paying for the behavior right yeah right. and thinking we're controlling the behavior gosh because we mm-hmm. right because that's what we were taught you control the behavior yeah you make them do the thing then you right reward the thing and now I am all about teaching the reinforcement strategy. Anytime I'm looking at a training project, I go, okay, what's my strategy? And do I have it? Is it fluent? Yeah. Yeah. If the strategy is not fluent, I may as well not mess around with this. I may as well train the strategy. I think fluency is the root cause of most problems we're seeing in the behaviors that we're training. Lack of fluency in the reinforcement. In the reward strategy. Yeah. Right. Right. The reward strategy. I totally agree. Um, right. But again, again, it's not, it's the, on the way to, and the, it's the entry and exit of the reinforcer, because again, this reinforcement strategy is its own loop and they're the B is not the problem. Then it's never the problem getting their mouth. Not a problem. Bite the toy. If it's not a problem qualifies as a reward at all. Dog already wants it. Right. That's done. Taking it is not the problem. It's getting to it and getting out of it. It's getting to it so again. It's not fluent. We have to yeah. look at affecting the A and the C of the reinforcement reward strategy. Did oh we gosh. get geekier than yeah. we said we were going to get? We did, but I'm sorry. I like it. So not let's sorry. Go. <laughs> no, I like it because that brings us to that's the problem that is the problem it's not choosing because like the it's not did i here, use chicken or did i use a toy or did i use kibble right that wasn't her question me, people might ask me every week what value of food should i use for this right and i never know how to answer that question i i whatever's in my car like, I use what's in your car i cannot like, right i cannot be held responsible for 
packing multiple no. things. No. It's whatever is available that I have things in my car is a win. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, that I plan this training session is a win. Literally. Whatever's I, in my car. I and I just cross my fingers to train that the there's dog. enough it's, food. Yes. Um, there are a few projects for which I might try to be more specific than that. However, generally speaking, I'm like, use food the dog likes. Yeah. But take that history into account because mm -hmm. if the dog has a history of, I don't know, a certain kind of food, meaning you're going to do a certain kind of thing that they don't like or whatever. Right. And that is a problem. I've certainly met dogs that when you whip out something really good, they look at you with the side eye mm -hmm. and they're like, like, what is uh, going on here? This means it's going to be hard and yucky. Mm -hmm. And it's, that's not good. We don't like that. Mm -hmm. So you're thinking about that history. And I think history with toys, mm. I mean, so, so mm. important. If you have damaged the feelings that the dog has about toys which I'm just gonna state once and forever like if you haven't done that yet you will at some point like it's just mm -hmm. there's a lot of problems involved when you're trying to use number one a secondary reinforcer not a primary reinforcer so when you're trying to use a secondary reinforcer and you have to take it away before you start the next rep the question yeah. I present to people to try to understand why toy training has so many yucky feelings for so many dogs is I ask, would you give your dog a raw marrow bone for this behavior and then take it away after they chomped it a couple of times and start a new rep? Right. How many dogs? We would never. You would never do ask that. for food back. Here's why. Number one, it's not efficient. Because the dog would need to chomp and, and you take it away. Um, I have a newsflash. Toys are not efficient either because you have to actually not play efficient. with the dog. You have to actually engage the yes. dog in And play. that's the number one way we ruin them is yes. we rush it. We don't do that. We, we get them in class. We yeah. let them tug for like half a second and then we're taking it away from them. And then they're like, well, what's the point? And depending on their temperament, they're either never going to bite that toy again or they're never going to let it go <laughs> or they're never going to let it go. And then you can see that you see the escalation of behaviors yeah. that the handler goes through to get said toy back. And I can almost Which always then, get the dog to let it go in less than five seconds by not touching it. Yeah, pretty much. Right. So, And then the escalation, the escalation yes. is the conflict that is built because yes. and it's the same with like, I have dogs in my house who I wouldn't try to take a raw bone away from just to be clear. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Absolutely. I live with a terrier. Good luck. I mean, hello, right? Like, have at it. When right, you try right. it, you'd be like, okay, well, no. you're eating that now. Right. I mean, this and raw, right? He's probably going to do the whole thing right now. I have worked with dogs whose, I have worked with dogs whose feelings about toys were as big as that yeah. but it was really hard for people to see yeah I like that comparison so if your dog is one of those dogs that has doesn't want to give you a toy that badly then 
oh, it really may not be a good strategy for you. Right. And again, because we have to look at the entry and the exit and the, of exit. the re- reward strategy. Yeah. And I think usually with toys, the exit is the problem. Definitely. Because they want unless, to get it, unless yeah. they don't like it. I mean, unless, unless they stalk it. <laughs> right? Unless they get sticky, like, stocky, heading towards it. Right? I cough, border collies cough. Yeah. 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 So yeah, they're right. But usually that's that can be produced via conflict in the same way that we can produce it with food. If they're not sure that they can go and get the food. If they're not sure they're allowed to have the food. If they're not sure they're allowed to have the toy. Yeah. So that's my next thing I wanted to touch on while we're still on history is that I've had so many dogs in front of me in workshops who were very unsure about whether they are allowed to eat food or not. Yeah. And so I'm just, you know, this stems from, we have a cultural tendency to train it's your choice type games And I am not telling you not to do that, but if you're going to do that, you need to be very, very clear about what the cue is for your dog to Mm -hmm. not take the food. Right. Um, Because that's why- And also set up a situation when you are training the reward strategy of Mm -hmm. food on the line, toy on the line, whatever it is, that they have that behavior of going to the bowl before I put any control on it of when to eat from the bowl, I make sure that they can eat from the bowl. And I just just had that dog in the seminar that I went to use a metal bowl and the dog was afraid of the bowl. (laughs) And I I, I know it it broke my heart because I didn't expect it at all. And it was a bad call. It was a bad call. And I just like hit it away and we worked it out in a, in a different way. And, and hopefully I didn't scar the dog. I don't think I scarred the dog for life. Um, probably not, but like, you should know that mm. before, like when I said, I'm going to go get know, a bowl, right? The, right. The handler didn't know either that it was going to weird her dog out. And th- those are the things that we should know <laughs> that when mm-hmm. I bring out a reward strategy, uh, scaring the dog is as about as far away as from the point that I want. Anytime we scare the dog, we have completely not done what we were supposed to do. <laughs> right. We, we, yeah. we've missed the mark a little yeah. bit. So these things, that's why we have to already have them trained because we have to know what behaviors we're attaching to the behaviors we care about. Yes. Which is why we have to care more about the reward behaviors. Very much so. And I would just really rather have, this is just my personal preference now. I really would rather have the dog steal, I'm putting that in quotations, a piece of food mm-hmm. out of the bowl sometimes. Yes. And have a dog get confused or worried about whether they're allowed to eat from the bowl. Same. And therefore, because that behavior is so valuable, because that behavior matters so much to me, the behavior of eat food out of a dish that I have set out that I have Mm pre-placed matters to me so, so much that there is not a single situation in which I would punish it intentionally. And here is the agility behavior equivalent in my head is Mm -hmm. your two on two off dog walk. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I do not withhold reward for a dog that stops four feet on the ground. Yeah. But drove across that dog walk as fast as possible. Yeah. Because the behavior of driving across to the across the whole dog walk and in and to the end is more valuable to me than the ex- precise location of their yeah. two rear feet completely and so i'm not going to confuse the dog about where to stop and potentially ruin the on the way to the stop behavior over the entire loop stealing right yes yeah and when we start to focus on just one part of the loop which is what we're so good at doing as humans right because it's easy for me to focus on the fact that the dog strided over the yellow and then Mm -hmm. stopped in the dirt and so I got called on it Mm -hmm. it's really easy for me to focus on that and alter my a and my c to try to fix that and Mm -hmm. disregard the rest of it everything that happened before it Mm -hmm. and everything that happens after. And Mm -hmm. so when we're choosing our reinforcement strategy, it's so important for us to know what history is there. What files is this dog going to pull when I start Mm -hmm. to ask these questions? Um, Are they good ones? Are they ones that we want to reopen or ones that we would have rather have put in the trash can? Right. Are they files that I would like to move to trash or are they files that I'm okay with the behavior I'm training being a sub file of, right? Like it's yes, because it will be. Yeah. Because you don't get to separate these things out. Nope. So they're going to file it. They are. So I, I guess so also much- who do we want to do the filing? Like if we really <laughs> do a good job with the planning of the training session, we have a little bit of control over the filing system. But if it's not even something that we can observe. Like we don't know what all these behaviors are going into the training session. They're doing all of the filing on their own. Yes. It's like, if we're not aware that we're training in a loop. Yes. Yes. We are getting a whole mess. We don't notice. We don't want, we don't notice the extra behaviors. We don't notice a little bit of conflict. We don't notice a little bit of side eye looking away. Um, We don't notice. I refer to them as the whispers. Right. We don't notice when the dog sort of starts to fall apart. We notice it after we've made that core memory and then uh, filed away. Again, you're not getting rid of There's it. There's more, more, a higher likely of those behaviors being able to go into the trash if we notice them sooner. Completely, completely. So but once it gets to the point where we have a problem, that usually that's when usually our brains wake up big problem right we're usually the big problem we're that is how we look at it if we can't see yeah, we the tiny details we, they will exactly yeah and we need again focusing on the tiny details on the way to and the way out of any behavior we usually notice when the behavior itself is a problem and I think that and we're going to get into some specifics because we are getting very um, conceptual <laughs> as we do. But I think going back to this question, which is when do we use what? It's so important that we recognize that 
tied up in that question is what does this dog already know? What is the history? Yeah. Does the dog, if, if it's a strategy, the dog straight up doesn't have, I'm going to say, how important is the strategy to what I'm trying to train and weigh that with how much work is it going to be for me to train the strategy? So for instance, Felix will is happy for about a food robot now, but when he was like two years old, I was like, I'm never going to use a food robot. He's afraid of it. Right. He's afraid of the sounds. He, it's not worth it for me to work through something the dog is afraid of. Like the dog in your workshop that's afraid of a metal bowl. I would never try to train with a metal bowl. I would just right. use a plastic target. Because I have another option, right? You it's have a, other I options. have a very easy second choice. If my choice. dog doesn't Absolutely. like toys or maybe likes toys in the house, but doesn't want to work for toys. I personally am not going to try to tra- teach him to train with toys. No, because it's going to be two or three year project. It's too much work. I like quick, easy. Very little payout. I like efficient, very little payout because there's nothing that toys can do that food can't. Right. In our game of dog agility, specifically. Exactly. And it's usually doing a better job to use food. Usually it's more efficient and has less feelings attached. So yeah, better job. So the, la- the final thing, so, I mean, we've talked about this, but we're going to go into some details because we then need to think about then what are these behaviors that are getting tied into my loop? Mm-hmm. Because the actual behaviors, about, not the extra ones. <laughs> yeah. The, a- <laughs> the actual behaviors that are getting tied into my loop, because like you mentioned, I typically when I'm working sequencing with Felix, I am feeding him from my hand at the end. Yeah. And that's traditionally something I would never do. Traditionally is counter to what would be best really. Mm -hmm. And so what's important then is we just, we're watching the behaviors rather than making a blanket decision about what works and what doesn't. So when I'm asking myself what to use and I'm thinking about the behaviors, I'm think I'm I'm thinking Megan that we should really pare this down to like literally where do you want the dog to look? Yeah. Right? So where do you want the dog looking during the thing? Cuz they're probably going to be looking where the re- they expect the reinforcement to come. Right. So in and in, in the case of agility, the only places I want them ever looking is at the next correct line mm-hmm. or at my hand. Mhm. Which I don't leaves you with I, yeah. reward from hand, pre-placed right. reward on the ground. Generally. Generally. If you're really good, you can do toss rewards on the line when you have good timing. Right. If you're thinking, I want my dog to race down this line, so I'm going to do a toss reward. The questions you want to ask are. <laughs> I had a visceral response to that. I know. But it's what people are thinking, Megan. So I'm I know Thro- throwing a reward forward, least favorite item. I can't but even okay. tell you the last time I did it. It works for some dogs. We'll probably do it with Raya. Who knows? I know. I was actually thinking this is probably going to be the dog that I need to actually figure out how to throw accurately. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I can throw pretty accurately, which is funny because... If it were a baseball or something, I certainly couldn't, but yeah, no, um, no, that's no one needs that. So 
they don't even need that say i'm i'm thinking i i'm thinking my dog curls in on the line at the end of the run and it Mm -hmm. hurts my time and so i'm going to throw a reward down that line maybe this is just i'm a regular agility person i'm thinking that's probably the answer for me yeah and it it is certainly yeah it's advice that i see given a lot me too so however questions to ask are first of all does my dog know this strategy and when i'm gonna ask does he know this strategy it means can i actually tell the dog you can expect a reward to fall in your path right or am i relying on the dog tracking it all the way through the air that's right Because Because in order to track it, they will start going back to the source, which is therefore, which is you, everyone all together now in your hand, just your hand again, which is what you're trying to get away from dramatic effect for the people at home to fill in the blanks. So when I'm thinking about the behaviors getting tied into my loop, if the behavior is dog turns his head back to to me see it as all he's running and we all know border collies especially are really good at running they can do it cranked 180 degrees backwards it's um, amazing it's amazing until there's another dog in their path or a tree or something which yeah other people's border collies in the woods not mine. right no um, i've never seen that happen to never been mine. mine so if they're needing to turn their head look at you track the toy all the way and then they speed up then they speed up after they've tracked it do you want all that because it's all going to be there it's all going to be there and also not sustainable talk about that a little bit because then right because if if they have to track it back to the source Mm -hmm. to know to go forward Mm -hmm eventually so that behavior will get produced i look back then i go forward i look back and then i go forward and then you run enough sequences where you don't, you're not throwing the toy or you don't have the toy in your hand or you go to a trial and there's no source you are then uh you're untraining that behavior very quickly mm. because there's nothing for them to track because the cue because there's a micro yes. loop here the cue to yes. run ahead is actually you do, you throwing the toy. And right. so then when you don't throw the toy, the, the behavior doesn't happen. You got nothing. So what you you're going nothing. to tie into your final behavior is exactly what you were trying to get rid of. Head checking, right? head checking curling that. in. Mm-hmm. Right. I want to be able to, even if I'm, so if I'm using a thrown reward, it would look like the dog is already looking forward. Mm-hmm. And I, so there is no looking at me in this behavior. When I think about those long lines at the end of courses and what I want it to look like is the dog powers straight ahead, taking every obstacle on their path. So when I reward the reward strategy that I'm going to use is one that they know well enough that I can mark the behavior of them looking forward. Mm-hmm. And they, it's the reward strategy is to fluency that it will be on your line ahead of you. Continue moving forward. So when I mark, you don't curl back to me because you exactly. know that this mark it will appear on your line. Keep going. Yeah. So now 
the behavior does not rely on the head check and the delivery. Right. So it requires that you have trained the strategy to that level. And that your mechanics work. And if, well, and if your mechanics aren't good, then that sloppiness will always get into your loop. I mean, that's any strategy yeah. that you're going to use. If your mechanics are not clean, you will have garbage in your loop every time. Yeah. That's just, that's just a reality of animal training. And so what's maybe, let's say my dog has, you know, yeah, they'll chase a toy, but they need to watch me throw it. So that's out. I still want them to drive down the line. Now I can be thinking about a pre-placed food based reward. I could use a food robot. I could use a dish. Again, the dog needs to be fluent um, mm -hmm. in those and behaviors. When not to take it and when to take it. That's part of that fluency for sure. So looking at the behaviors of perhaps, um, let's say that dog walk that we talked about, we don't want the dog to creep into the end. We also don't want the dog to run through the contact. Let's say we'd like the dog to run all the way into its two on two off and stop. Various reward strategies may work for any given team. You need to ask yourself, what's the history, mm -hmm. right? Does my dog creep up to food that is on the ground, right? Does he creep up to toys? What will he actually run at? Mm -hmm. Maybe it needs to be at a certain distance so that he does keep moving. Right. Right. All of these questions need to be asked. And then you can decide on the right strategy. <laughs> There's no checklist. There isn't a checklist. There's, and I will say that I think that is wise. And I teach this in my shaping class, actually, to test multiple strategies. Yeah, I think that's the way about it. And the more, like we said before, the more strategies you have in your toolbox, mm -hmm. the easier this is because I reward stopped behaviors in all of those ways. Mm -hmm. Something close to them, something ahead of them behind them in front of them from me I do everything yeah it's not about whether it's a stopped or moving behavior necessarily right it's it's what's going to get me what I want with this behavior right now exactly it's what I need to to pay in this session right now so if I'm trying to get more speed out of my dog walk I'm going to use the reward strategy that gets me that extra oomph. Mm. But if I'm trying to build a more robust ability to stop in the correct position, I'm going to use a strategy that produces those behaviors and more easily. I have very bad news. It will change. Every time you train. <laughs> and it should like it should change. As right, the there's dog this gets fear better of change, but that is learning. Yes, learning is right. adapting and changing to the set of files that we brought. As the dog gets better at the yes. stop, they might get slower. And now you need to swing the pendulum 
Right. Or is the other strategy? As the dog gets better at speed, they may right. get have sloppy. To pull in a little bit. Yes. Now which- we need to. I mean, it is a constant yeah. swinging pendulum, you guys. Like that's that's the whole point. Is that this is kind of, I think this is what separates people who are having like mountains of success and people who are struggling often is Mm -hmm. the ability to see what's happening in front of you and adjust accordingly. Right. It's not, well, you know, I mean, how many times has somebody said to you, well, I tried that and it didn't work. Right. It didn't work for you that time. Right. Or I tried rewarding the way you said, and it was fine for a while, and now it's not. Well, perfect. Right. That's exactly what we expect. Good. That's information. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. It, it, I, I, right. It, it's change is hard. I get it. I understand. Um, However, that's what learning is. It's change. Yes. It's learning to adapt to the current situation that we're in. Totally. So if the behavior is changing, that's naturally occurring. Good. Like, good. If the behavior is changing, then learning is happening. And that was your whole point in the first That place. was my whole point. <laughs> learning is happening. You can control the learning via how you're paying it. Yeah. And it's arguably the best way to do it. Yeah. Because like we talked about in the very beginning, if your strategy is correct, you're probably seeing the behavior you want to see. And you're not listening to this podcast because you're not having any problems. (laughs) Since you are all here, you are thinking about some behavior that is changing in the direction that you're not sure you want it to change. Yep. And that probably just means you need to experiment with how you're paying it. Yes. And if your dog does not have a good, robust repertoire of reward strategies that they are fluent in, that's the place to begin. Number one thing to do. And the good news is it should be kind of fun, easy training. Like it's just, oh, it's my favorite. It's, it's my just favorite. take the reinforcer and then do it again. Yeah. It's and my as kind of a last point, don't be afraid to use more than one within the same loop. Yes. Because you could, you can insert a micro loop if if you're mm-hmm. not closing your gap well enough from C to A, put a micro loop in there that does close that gap for you. So for instance, with Felix the other day, and this is the video I'll post on Patreon, um, we're sending him to a pre-placed reward, which is food in a bowl. And then to close my loop and restart, I was luring him with food back to the start and feeding him there. Yeah, that's separate behavior. Right. Right. So that's a little micro loop that I put in there to make my transition from reloading the bowl because I needed to reload the bowl and have him see me do it before I went and set him up because he told us he needed that. Right. (laughs) He told us he needed a file. He pulled a file and went, No, I need to see you do it. So I show him as I load the bowl. And then I ask him to follow another piece of food back to where I want him to begin. 
and I feed him there. So that's just a micro loop that I inserted because my other option is load the bowl and now we walk back to the start, but you do all kinds of, maybe you bark at me, maybe you look right. at the bowl as maybe. we're leaving. Exactly. That thing, oh, yes. I don't want yeah. any of that. I want just yeah. a clean, quick movement from the bowl to the start. And so I used a food lure to make it happen. Right. So don't be afraid to insert another one, like just put a micro loop in there. If you're having a hard time understanding how to bridge the gap between, you know, especially like, let's say you're doing a dog walk and you want to use only one end of the dog walk and you're not going to go back and mm-hmm. forth, getting back to the beginning of a dog walk. So long. It's such a long piece of equipment mm-hmm. that you need an efficient way to do that. And so inserting a micro loop in there, that's its own reinforcement strategy to do it is the cleanest way to do it. Totally. Because rather you see people being like, go, let's go, come on, move. Like, like, right. They're like telling the dog right. to go set up again. The dog's like, what do you mean? I don't know what's going what on. You, right. Just fill the time. Like the most aversive thing to a dog is lack of information. Yes. Yeah, so don't have any gaps where you're not. And that's telling. where our problems occur mm-hmm. in any situation is when there is a lack of information, they're filling those gaps. Yeah with whatever they want in that moment worked up my course both right like both courses well both courses but worked up is thought to be the stock is an arousal problem Mm 9.9 times out of 10 it's that you have had way too many gaps of information for this dog in your training and the type of dog you have doesn't tolerate it right versus and then hidden potential right this the other is the ones that is the same problem but you have the type of dog doesn't tolerate it in a different way they check out they right. leave. it's a lack of tolerance for it's a lack of tolerance for that aversive for rude behavior of confusion yeah. right yes so don't do that to them don't Fill do in it. the gaps train your reinforcement strategies train your reinforcement strategies so that you have a variety to pick from so that you can ask the dog. And they are the behaviors that need the most maintenance in your training. Oh my gosh. People ask me all the time, well, how often do you train X skill? And I'm like, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Every time. uh, Like I train maybe like if I'm thinking about training, like a jumping skill, like collection, oh, okay. like, yeah, like agility, skill. right. Like, agility sure. skill, like an agility skill. I have no idea what my agility skills are on maintenance training schedules because the dog just tells me when they need it. My reinforcer skills are on a weekly yeah. maintenance schedule. They get worked all of the time. What winds up happening to me is that I'll go out and I'll be like, okay, today I want to work on this. And this is the strategy I'm going to use. So the mm-hmm. first thing I'm going to do is revisit that strategy. Just test it. Yeah. It's going to be like, first can thing you I'm do this today? Is test the strategy. Can you do this? Does this still work? Yeah. yeah. Is this broken today or is this here? If the dog says yes. it's broken today, guess what we're training today? That. That. And I can yes. come back to that other skill when that strategy feels good again. Exactly. Because I, I do find like, they're just like anything else. When you use them, you're using them, you're using them up. They also have to be 
when you reinforce right. just because oh, they are inherently even though right but we the behavior itself grab it eating the food or grabbing the toy isn't what falls apart right it's maybe the entry listening to it's when the they can the exit it's the entry and the exit. when they can take the thing and what they do when they come out of the thing. I find that when I use pre-place rewards and handling a lot, because I'm moving, I'm running at them. Um, there's a lot of physical cues involved in that. Their verbal <laughs> stimulus control over said item can weaken mm. because they're very quick to attach a physical cue to it. So it's the same thing. It's the fact yes. that, so your reinforcement <laughs> strategy, all the rewards, all the behaviors in your strategy get worked into the behavior you were trying to train and vice right. versa. The behaviors right. that you're training with the reinforcement strategy also get worked into the reinforcement strategy. And oh my God, so then you need to train so, the reinforcement strategy. Yes, so it would be very difficult to go from like a straight line of jumps where I'm running to a pre-place reward to a stop dog walk with a pre-place reward. Like that would be really challenging yeah. for the dog because it all gets because in there's together. yes and my physical cues would be the same the reinforcement strategy would be the same and with the dog walk I'm also asking for an additional layer of stop first not just look at the thing and I'll tell you to go to it but now it's yeah. stop your body but look at the thing right so we also have to think about that maybe this is actually like this a revelation is, for me I'm really excited. Ooh, this good. happens when I, I'm just excited. I just get to talk to smart people. And it's the round table of dog training here. It's the best um, thing because the revelation. I, I forget to talk about these things totally. without having these conversations. Me like too. I know it, it's, it's in there. It's exactly. Just I just go out and I train and I would. <laughs> so my, what I would do is if those were on my agenda today, I would do the dog walk first. Yeah. And no, first, for most dogs, you would first you would test the strategy. Yes, on like a probably station. Probably you'd use a station because it's a stop. Yes, behavior. that's the first yes. thing you would do. Yes, would I would make sure walk. they can do it. Right. So that's how it would look like with a young dog. And then when I'm really confident with both of those, I might start to do it in the opposite. But it would look like, like you said, I might do the straight line of jumps, and then I would do the station. I would warm yes. up with a behavior and I care less about but is the same concept. And you'd be doing it intentionally to push yes. the skill of your dog walk. Yes. Oh my gosh, I'm so smart. So it's, right. It is smart. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's In smart. In fact, it's quite In smart. fact, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I, I don't even feel bad about claiming no, it as smart it's anymore. It's really smart. I, you, can, um, you should own it. You should own that um, it's really smart. Because it, it's, it's all connected and we don't have those clean slates. So I think in addition to how are we reinforcing the individual behaviors we are teaching, when we move from teaching one thing to the next, how, how does that picture look? Because that that's a very difficult question. If I just ask my dog to just run in a straight line, straight to the bowl versus having my dog run in a straight line, but pause before going to the bowl. That's a different question. Which brings us back to though. Oh boy. You like how I said on as one last point, I said that like, I don't know how long ago. An hour ago. Um, it's fine. 
someone was taking notes. So this is really interesting to me though right now is now I'm thinking, here's why. Here's just another reason why having a default re- reward strategy is not smart. Mm-hmm. Because if what I always do is hand you a tug toy, mm-hmm. regardless of what I'm teaching, this is still happening. Mm-hmm. But I don't have a way to combat that it's happening. Right. So the same thing, if I just ran a sequence and I expected the dog to come to my curl in, like come to my side and grab the tug toy from my side. And then I go to do my stop dog walk and my dog is curling off to the side of the dog walk. And I go, this is a dog walk problem. I don't think it is. It's not. I think this is a, it's always a reward problem. And same goes for, you know, um, the cues regard the cues about reinforcement because we haven't really talked about that a little bit much but just like a loop is always happening there's always a marker that tells mm-hmm. them what when to take the reinforcement and people use default information yeah. that way too and the number of times i've seen someone harp on a dog for moving off of their contact when they said yes mm-hmm. When five That's, seconds ago, they said yes, and the dog drove right at them and grabbed that tug Yes, toy. That's right. Because in that scenario, the dog was running. In yes. this scenario, the dog has stopped. Now you expect the dog to stay and what? I mean, yeah. it's so important for us to, that's part of this history of mm-hmm. asking yourself and asking the dog, honestly, what, what files are in there about this? If the file about tugging is that you're going to curl towards me and expect it, then it's not a good choice for me if I want you focused. Not a good choice. That's right. And if, you know, it's like if Felix were having this huge problem of curling into me for me feeding him off my body, we would have stopped. I wouldn't be allowing it. (laughs) No, we would have stopped a long time ago. Yeah, but But it doesn't. It's not causing a problem. So I'm okay with it. Right. It's, it's only a problem if it's a problem. And how do you know if something's right. not, how do you know if it is a problem? It's not working. It's not working for you. <laughs> These things are not going well. That's how you know it's a problem. Exactly. And the first thing you should really always be, I think the first thing we need to consider is the reward strategy when there's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true for pretty much anything that we could talk about. It um, is the beginning and the end of my troubleshooting process. Mm-hmm. How my how is my current reward strategy affecting this? Right. And then there's some other things that I walk through. And then if I still haven't solved my problem, it's the history of how you've rewarded this that is the yeah. problem. Yeah. And I think what we do instead, especially in agility, is we think, how do we make the dog do it right? Mm-hmm. Rather than thinking, how do we pay the dog best? Yeah. And we tend to, as a culture, think of how do I fix this right now? Oh God, yes. In this moment. Yeah. Rather than telescoping back out and how do I make lasting change? How do I make sustainable change? How do I make a change so that this does is very unlikely to 
not happen again, right? Like how, how do I make this as least likely Which to is, occur a second time? And that's time? a conversation that, I mean, I almost feel like that's another podcast, but uh, I just, the example of like Felix's A-frame was repaired in a relatively short amount of time when his a-frame had a he just was hitting it once on the way down and so sometimes that was mm-hmm. yellow and sometimes it wasn't and so we needed to talk to him about hitting it twice and the reason it went so fast is because he doesn't have any garbage history with that obstacle mm-hmm. we used a smart reinforcement strategy and then we were smart about the prop we used to help him right so if you and it was all about lasting change if it weren't about lasting change, it'd be, I scream, lie down at him on the down ramp. Exactly. And, and that would work for figure, about. And he tries to figure out how times. to lie down and is like, that's so weird and right. dumb. And then he hits the yellow and then I am bored. Right. <laughs> and that's about I, trying to make it work right now. Yes. That's about trying to, oh my gosh, I have another A-frame in the next class and I really need to qualify. Yeah. Megan. <laughs> We went as usual. Did we answer places, the question? Places I didn't expect. I hope we answered the original question. We both know the person who asked it. She'll tell us if we did. Yes. And, and we can just try again. We'll try again. So anybody would like more, Megan and Sarah <laughs> really go down just a very yes, long please. chain of rabbit holes. We enjoy doing this. <laughs> and if we you do. And if you didn't like it, that's fine. Tell us why. I mean, or don't. <laughs> or, I mean, if you can be nice about it, you if can you, tell us why. Actually, that's true. <laughs> always. If you can be constructive can be and kind. Constructive and kind. You are allowed to tell us. We're open. We know that we ramble a bit. Hopefully, if you followed us, you have some good answers. I feel excited to go train my dogs now this afternoon. So that's, I, that's good. Yeah. You know, it's currently not raining. I think we can go train our reinforcement strategies. It is raining. It might be raining where you live, but that's never stopped me. So, (laughs) (laughs) all right. Thank you, Megan. Thank you. Hey everybody, hang out one second. I want to tell you about the brand new Cog Dog Classroom. This is a place where I'm going to be offering self-study courses for things like crate training, wellness, reactivity, puppies, and more. Right now we've got Happy Crating up there. It's a webinar that you can buy and watch anytime to help you with your crate training. And I've also got my Four Steps to Behavioral Wellness course, which is a brand new imagining of the Four Steps concept. It comes with a video lecture from me as well as a bunch of written content so I hope that you'll go check out Cog Dog Classroom you know the link is in the show notes